Exodus chapter number 33. Exodus chapter number 33. I'll read from verse 12 to verse 23. It's an experience Moses had with God. An amazing experience. This is so many years after he had led the people out of Egypt. And uh, if you think back, you would realize how much encounter Moses had with God in Egypt. Through the miracles he did, through the power he demonstrated in Egypt, through the multiple judgments, the plagues he did, and some of the amazing things that happened in the wilderness. Then verse number 12 of Exodus chapter number 33. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have found grace in my sight. It's a very peculiar, it's not really a request nor a complaint. It's just a peculiar observation that Moses made with God. In other words, Moses is saying to God, you God, you know me. He says, you have said I know you by name and you have found favor or found grace in my sight. So Moses says, God, you know me. You called me. You yourself, you have testified of me. I have found favor or grace in your sight. So for that, that's fine. Then he said, Now therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is a great people. And consider that this nation is a what? Great people. Now, I want to read that for you in... Um, in the New Living Translation. In the New Living Translation. So you can you can appreciate, you know, um, some very peculiar truth. Because what I want to bring out is what really was going on in the mind of Moses. He said in New Living Translation, one day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor and remember that this nation is your very own people. The request of Moses is an amazing request. He said, Lord, make me to know your ways so that I may fully understand you. The type of prayer request some of these people had with God was just something that blows my mind. You think Moses doesn't have needs? You think his family is all, is all doing fine? You even know there were times that God came to kill him because he didn't circumcise the children. The wife almost finished Moses that day. You know, 
and and so many times the people have disappointed him he's invested in them they turned back backbited him so there's so much he could have told god to do for him he could have told god silence my enemies restore my family open me new doors whatever he could have said but he said something amazing he said show me your ways that i may understand you fully that means god cannot be understood if you don't know his ways but and see, see what's happening here the person talking has experienced the miracle of god more than any other person and moses has realized that you can know the miracles of god or what they call the acts of god and not know the ways of god because you can know the acts but not the ways and he is saying the acts or the power only on that I cannot understand you so he says show me your ways look at the way he put it so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor so in other words when you have favor and you lose it it could be an indication that you don't understand something about God it may be another indication you don't know your way let me give you an example when you buy a plane ticket right <laughs> that ticket tells you you're flying to New York. When the plane takes off, I guarantee you, you don't know the way. You're just sitting there hoping it will land in New York. But there's someone who knows the way, the pilot. And so Moses is saying, I don't just want to know the promise. I want to know the person behind the promise. And in life, it's the same thing all over. The people who know the process, who know the way, always always are on top of those who just follow everything in life is just like that you can be using a product but you really don't know it but i've just told you press this button and this will happen so all you know i press this button then they were to ask you what happened when you press that button you don't know you don't know and all of us are guilty of that, especially when it comes to technology. Our children are even better. At times, they're the ones telling you what happens when you do this or do that. But some of us, we just know we press the button, the screen comes up, we press forward button, it goes forward. You know. So there is an amazing truth when you know the ways of God. Because when you know the ways of God, three things begin to happen in your life. Number one, your worry reduces. You know why Gehazi was anxious and crying? He didn't know the ways of God. He did not know how God works. Elisha, who knew, told him, boy, calm down. And now Elisha prayed because he wasn't calming down. said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. When his eyes open, because Elisha knows that when you are with God and enemies surround you, he knows the ways of God. He knows that even if you don't see angels, God has provided them. So he's relaxed. Now Gehazi just wants to see the power. And because physically he cannot see the power, worry and anxiety. So Gehazi knows the power of God, but Elisha knows the ways of God. So while Gehazi is panicking, Elisha is calm. First thing that happens when you know the ways of God, your life, your life starts experiencing a certain level of tranquility. You are not too agitated because you know God is present. 
it's an amazing it's not just a feeling it's a reality in your spirit you may not be able to explain it but it, it is just there it is just there and at times you will even be wondering if you're normal because what has to trouble you is not troubling you and people are even trying to to be more involved in your problem than you they are more concerned they are the ones who are more scared they are afraid but you're okay First thing that happens, when you know the ways of God. <laughs> Second thing that happens when you know the ways of God is that you you would learn not learn you would you would know that God is a master planner. You know, in Psalm it says that my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. That means. They, we have our way, God has his way. He says, as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above yours. So, if you understand the ways of God, at times it is tricky because the ways of God are generally not logical. That's what makes it amazing. But because we have a physical brain and a mental capacity, we, we want to think and reason God. But God is not at the realm of reason is in the realms of the spirit and the spirit will always war with the flesh they are enemies they are enemies because for God when God speaks he has already finished it before he speaks have you ever watched a movie you watched it before all through the end right and then you now sit with someone and you're watching that same movie. And maybe it was a thriller with a lot of suspense. And as you're watching, now see what happens. Because you already know the ways of that movie. You know how it ended. There is a tranquility you have. That when the actor is about to die, while the person you're watching with is panicking, you're sipping a cup of tea. Because you already know. That's exactly what happens. The second thing is that when you know the ways of God, you become a very good counselor for other people. You do. I know that movie, I guarantee you, there will be no iota of high blood pressure. In fact, you can even go and do a cup of tea in the kitchen, you already know what will happen. Even when they shoot someone and you know that that person didn't die, you wouldn't bother. You see, your level of suspense is almost zero. Why? Because you know the end. That's why God doesn't panic. Because he knows the end from the beginning. When God speaks a promise to your life, he has already finished it before he starts it. That's why it is already finished. You didn't get me. That means whatever it is, the spirit realm has already now you can imagine you're watching that movie with a person and then the person sees a scene and starts crying that oh this person can die this person can die you know no it doesn't work that way and also now listen to this <laughs> when you know the ways of god and you speak to people it will be as though you're prophesying to them like i can say you see this guy tough like this he's gonna die but you've watched the movie before, so you knew he died. 
and the person watching with you can say, no, this is the toughest person in the movie, he cannot die. No, you just smile because you know the end from the beginning. When you know the end from the beginning, there is a level of power it gives your words. That's what happens when you know the ways of God. Moses now says, show me your ways. Let me know them that I may fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. Now verse number 14, the Lord replied, what God's answer. I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, what shocks me in this story is that Moses could have lived like this and died and he would have been a successful man of God or prophet. Can you see that in all the success of Moses before, God wasn't going with him? He got to a point, he said, you know what? My Christianity cannot continue like this. I need to experience God in person. Not just the angels he's sending. Not just the, the word of power he's releasing. I want to know him. That same thing happened to Paul. Paul got to a point and says, you know what? I'll, that I may know him. So, because you can do the things of God, manifest the anointing of God, be a, a channel of God's power, but God is not with you. The Lord said, I will personally go with you. Why? Because God has all sorts of angels he can send to accompany you. And this is what I'm praying, that we will graduate from experiencing God through his anointing, through his power or through his angelic visitation and begin to enjoy him personally. It says, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place says, Lord, if you are not personally going with us, don't let us go. He got to a point. The guy has taken them out of Egypt. He has seen miracles. And he knows that God didn't personally go with them. Because the word of God is power. God, alright, when the man, the centurion, sent people to beg for Jesus to heal his child, and when Jesus was coming, he sent a servant to tell Jesus he doesn't need to come. He said, you know what? You don't need to come to my house. I am a man under authority. I say to one, go, he goes. Another, come, he comes. You, you don't need to come. Just speak a word. Release a word. And my servant will be healed. Guess what? Jesus spoke that word. The guy was healed. He didn't come. So God's word has power to accomplish what it was sent to Ezekiel said without God necessarily being there. No. So Jesus, watch this. Jesus was coming to the house with his presence to heal the boy. But the owner, not the owner, the father of the boy said, don't come, just send your word. That means he could have come and healed in person 
or he can heal by proxy by sending his word. In both cases, there's a healing. But the difference is in one case, there was a healing, but the person was not there. And our Christianity is operating at this level where things are happening. God is doing things. No problem. But his personal presence is absent. That's what Moses said. If you do not go with us, please, don't let us move. Follow this story. <laughs> Moses said, how will anyone know that you look favorably on me? On me and on your people. If you don't go with us, for your presence amongst us, set your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Huh. The distinguishing factor on the church is God's presence. It is what will set you apart. He didn't say your power. Moses comes from Egypt. Egyptians had power. Don't, don't read the plagues. Moses just superseded them, but they also had power. Pharaoh in Egyptian, you know, whatever, is not even a human being. They don't even consider Pharaoh a human being. Pharaoh is a spirit. When Moses came the first time, cast his rod, he became a snake. Has it not amazed you? Pharaoh called his magicians. They came and did the same thing. The church will never be distinguished in the realms of power. Listen to me. There are human beings on earth who manifest power who are not children of God. Because if you open up your spirit to the spirit realm and you do the sacrifice they require and you worship those demons the way they require, they will manifest through you. There are people in this world who do miracles. But all right. Scripture even said that when the Antichrist comes, he will do great signs. One of the signs of the end time that there will be false prophets who will do many miracles. Miracles can be done by people who are not even with God. And so you cannot, that's why I don't know why miracle churches think, well, by miracle church I mean that they think that everything is a, is a miracle. What makes you think that because you do miracles, therefore God is with you, people respect? No, oh, that is, a, that is a very low level of thinking. Because in the end times, many people will do miracles who are satanic people. You don't know that native doctors, you step into their door, they tell you your grandfather's name, tell you what you ate that day. They, they expose, I'm telling you, there are witch doctors who can x-ray your life from the day your mother gave birth to you and put it in front of you plain. Even in the Bible, the witch of Endor, Saul went to. Why do you think Saul went to that woman? Because it was known that the woman can see. And she saw Samson. Samuel, sorry. You don't know that story? Saul, God has stopped speaking to Saul. Saul said, what do I do now? I need to hear God. And there's no Samuel. Samuel has died. Saul says, no, let me disguise and go to the woman in Endor. Saul had banned witches, but himself went behind to consult. He knows that that woman can see. And when he went to the woman, now, what people normally say, was it Samuel that really came up or it wasn't Samuel? I say, you see, the thing is that the sovereignty of God has an amazing way of working. Because scripture says, when she did the incantations, a prophet like Samuel was coming up and, and when she saw it, she panicked and fainted. That already tells me what she saw was not what she was expecting. Maybe God just overruled and brought Samuel to teach Saul a lesson. 
Because Saul, Samuel came and rebuked Saul. But anyhow, whatever your take on that story is not my focus tonight. What I'm just trying to mention is that human beings like that. Why did Saul go to that woman? Because Saul knew that that woman can resurrect spirits. You think he just went? No, the woman must have had a track record. I'm just saying that there are people on earth at the level of miracles and power. My friend, it makes no difference. You can't even impress them. The key thing that they can never have is the presence of God. Never. They can have money. They can have power. It's in your Bible. The Antichrist did miracles. The false prophets did miracles. Read your Bible. But the presence of God. So what Moses was saying is that God, yes, by your power, we came out of Egypt. Yes. By your power, we divided the Red Sea. Yes. But there is something missing. Your presence. If there's one prayer Christians have to pray now is God's presence. Because his presence is an amazing thing. That's where Moses, Moses got there. Paul, the apostle, got to the same level. Where you just get tired with church. You just get tired with routine. You just get tired with all the things you see. Something keeps telling your spirit, this is not it. If God is God, there is more. You know it. See what happens. He says, For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Verse number 17. The Lord replied Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you and I know you by name. Ladies and gentlemen, make a request to God. Ask him you want his presence. He said, I will do it. He would Oh, you know, you know in verse 14, when God started speaking, he said, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I'll give you rest. His presence will bring rest in your life. He says, everything will be fine for you. Everything. God's presence is higher than miracles. Because when his presence comes, where the devil cannot dwell in that presence. God's presence is the most powerful deliverance weapon. Because it is him. And light and darkness cannot dwell together. So if you get his presence, you don't even need to rebuke the devil. His presence automatically rebukes the devil. His presence in a place. You don't even need to say be healed. His presence will just take care of the sicknesses. Just his presence. People will be weeping and giving their life to Jesus with no evangelist presence. It doesn't mean you don't pray for the sick or evangelize. I'm just trying to show you what his presence can do. Then he said to Moses, The Lord replied Moses, verse number 17, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I will favorably look on you. For I know you by name. Moses responded, Then show me your glorious presence. Moses insisted. He said, God, God gives an answer. He says, I accept that I want your presence. That's the thing I want you to carry in your heart. The Lord replied, I will make my goodness pass before you. And I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose. And I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and leave. 
the Lord continued, Look, stand near me on this rock. As my good, as my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. <laughs> because Paul says when you look at him, you're being transformed as you look. Now, but God knows if he shows Moses his face, Moses will be transformed like him and it will be a breach of covenant. Because the person that has to die to restore God's relationship with mankind is yet to be born. And so, God cannot demonstrate his face to Moses because that is what Jesus was supposed to come and restore. And he now said, Moses, if I do that, when the lamb has not been slain, you will die. Because you are you. But when Jesus comes and becomes our righteousness, then you can see him. But he told Moses something. He said, Moses, stand upon this rock. Say, Moses, there is a rock. Stand there. Because even to see my back, you must stand on the rock. And Corinthians says that rock is Christ. So he's saying, Moses, stand on the rock prophetically. There is a rock that you must stand upon. But because you have put pressure on my spirit, I want to give you my presence. Even though the time hasn't come, but stand on that rock. It hasn't yet manifested, but that rock is Jesus to come. That's what Paul says. Stand on it. At least you will see my backpacks. I will cover your face with my hand and pass. When I pass, I'll take out my hand. Then you can see my back pass. You can see me from behind. Ladies and gentlemen, the glory of God given to Moses, you with me? Was the glory from behind. What then will happen in Christ with the glory when you behold him face to face. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> if God is so willing if God is so willing to show you his glory. He said, Moses, stand up on the rock. There is a place you need to stand. A rock will be your foundation. That rock is where your feet will stand. When you stand up on that rock, then my visitation will come. Now, could it be possible that God is not showing you his presence because you are not standing upon that rock. The Bible says a certain man built his house on the sand 
another one built his house on the rock. I was talking to someone was it yesterday or today, and we we're looking at the frailty and the how weak Christianity has become in the sense that people are no longer connected to God. Everybody and the person made a comment and said the problem is when you talk to Christians nowadays, everybody has his own perspective. That's what the person said. When you bring the word of God, say, Oh no, 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 that's your own perspective. That's the way you see it. And as a result, because we don't stand on the rock, <laughs> that rock doesn't negotiate. It's not what you think or will. It is on that rock you stand to see his presence. You know, when, when scripture was trying to compare, you know, the ministration of Moses and the ministration <laughs> Of the, uh, that's of the Old Testament and the ministration of the New Testament the way it explained it let's go there let me close with that one 2 Corinthians chapter number 3 let me close with that one 2 Corinthians chapter 3 2 Corinthians chapter 3 it says uh, let me start from verse what 7 yeah it says, the old way with laws etched in stone led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. Moses, it says, the law in the days of Moses was written on stone. And it said that a law that was on stone was so powerful that they couldn't even look at the face of Moses. You know when he went to the mountain and came back, glory covered his face. They couldn't look at it. And he's saying that if it's a law on a stone, a stone is not a living thing. That means God's word on a stone could generate such glory that you couldn't look at Moses. How much more if that word is upon your heart? That's the thing he's trying to say. He says, for his face shone with glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we, verse number 8, expect far greater glory under the new way or the new covenant? Okay, let me go, let me read that in uh, New King James Version. Because when it says the new way, you know, I want you to, to get it. It says, How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? It says, For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of condemnation under Moses had glory. It says, then the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because the glory, because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is even much more what? Glorious. Did you see that? Did you see that? Did you see that? Alright. I know someone needs another explanation. So let me read that in Amplified now. It is now if the ministry of death engraved in letters of stone, verse number 7, the covenant of the law which led to death because of sin came with such glory and splendor 
that the Israelites were not able to look steadily at the face of Moses because of his glory, a brilliance that was fading. How will the ministry of the Spirit, the new covenant, which allows us to be spirit-filled, the old covenant did not allow them to be spirit-filled. It was written on tablets of stone. But Corinthians says it was so glorious. Then it says, how much more? The new covenant. So it's comparing two things. All that which you see Moses do, old covenant. Wait, look at the way he knew God in the old covenant. Look at the power God demonstrated in the old covenant. Elisha's bones raised up somewhere in the old covenant. Look at all the miracles. The manna, the quail, the dividing of the Red Sea. You count them. Then it says all of that doesn't compare with the new covenant. Because in the new covenant, Amplified Bible says, the new covenant which allows us to be filled with the Spirit. Then it says, if the ministry that brought condemnation, the old covenant, the law, had glory, how much more does glory overflow in the ministry that brings righteousness? The new covenant which declares believers free of guilt and sets them apart for God's special purpose. How? Lord, help us. It takes away guilt, sets you apart for God's special purpose. No, there's a glory. Ladies and gentlemen, we haven't touched it. We haven't started. I'm telling you. When we will begin to, let's keep putting pressure. We start our retreat tomorrow till for the weekend. Put pressure. You, you see how much pressure Moses put even to experience the covenant, the, the, the presence of the old covenant. He didn't just, no. In chapter 33, these guys started with God in Exodus from the beginning. He has done so much. He got to this place and says, God, no, your presence. I want to see it. Put pressure on God. Let him know that you want to see that presence. Ladies and gentlemen, that is why we are dying. We are frustrated. We are struggling. We, the same frustration of the world, we have it. The same frustration of women of the world, you have it as a sister in church. The same frustration the men of the world face, you have that same frustration as a brother in church. There, is, there seems to be no difference. Haven't you seen it? The reason being, what they lack, we also lack. They lack God's presence. We also lack God's presence. There's no God's presence in their marriages, no God's presence in their businesses, no God's presence in their place of work, no God's presence in whatever they do. You come to the church, same with you, no God's presence in your marriage, no God's presence in your business, no God's presence in your place of work. So why are you surprised that the same thing is happening? That when we bring God's presence, you go to their own temples, where they go and offer sacrifice to idols. No, there's no God's presence there. Then you come to our own churches also. There's no God's presence there. Can't you see? That's why people come to church, go back, same. <laughs> it's because presence is lacking. Moses said, God, no. I'm praying that from this weekend. Now, some of them listening to me, on the listening all over the world, you may not go on retreat with us as a church. But take out some time this weekend and fast and pray for yourself. One prayer point, Lord, your presence. Because in the retreat, there are two things I'm going to do. It will be extremely full of worship. And the only major prayer I will authorize officially, 
you will pray for some other minor things will be the presence of God. I have, I guarantee, ladies and gentlemen, when this presence is upon your life, you will become a, a solution. Ooh, what? Even where you work, they will bring problems to you. You will solve them because there is a way God's presence. It is light. Wherever there's an obstacle, I'm telling you, your director will call for you. By the time you talk to him for two, three minutes, it will unblock an investment that that company has been held bound for 10 years. Something happens when God's presence is manifesting because it comes with light. You don't have a clue and this is how some of you will be promoted at your place of work. Amen. That presence will start manifesting in a way that you will become irreplaceable and indispensable wherever you are. I'm praying for Christians all over the world to tap into this thing so that wherever they are, they will not be competing with anybody. Everybody will know that you are in a class of your own. In fact, they will know you that when there's difficulty, they say that you are a nurse. When the case has become complex, the doctor will call for you. They say, please, take look after this patient. And you know what? Within five minutes. Not because of the medication, but there is God's presence you have. That the moment they assigned you to that patient, and you started talking to that patient, it is not the medication you gave, it is the anointing that was backing the medication. For some reasons, your own things become different. That is the type of Christianity I think God is trying to open the door for. Did the Bible not say we have the mind of Christ? Do you know what that is? The mind of Christ, it can solve every problem. Listen, we are not the same like them. I'm telling you, listen, we may be the same homo sapiens in terms of biological classification, but spiritually we are different species because we have the DNA of God. They don't have it. So technically speaking, we are not human beings like them. We are divine beings in a human body. They are not your level. You may eat the same banga soup, you may eat the same gravy and potato, you may eat the same chicken and chips. I am telling you, your digestive system may be the same, but you are not the same. The same way a dog can also eat the chicken and digest it. It doesn't make you a dog. In other words, I want it to be clear in your mind. Even if you're struggling, even if life hasn't set for you, Keep it at the back of your mind that you are above. You are the head and not the tail. Keep it at the back of your mind that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Never you forget that. Once you always remember that it's a matter of time. With your pressure. We saw last week Thursday. Scripture says, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? Feel. Hunger and thirst for his presence. I tell you, you will get it. And when you get it, I say when you get it, you will know. Everybody will know. It, oh, rise up on your feet. Rise up on your feet. Father, we bless you. We thank you. We worship you. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Have your way. Like Moses, we ask for your personal revelation in our lives. Your presence to abide with us, go with us. We have the Holy Spirit, so potentially we have that presence. 
help us to manifest it. Let it flow through us. And let us experience you like never before. Nothing else matters to us but you, oh God. We celebrate you. We thank you. And as we desire, we may not be perfect. We may not be strong. But one thing we know, we love you. And one thing we know, we are doing our best. Our best may not be your best, oh God. But with your grace and mercy, with time, our best will become your best. Take all the glory. Take all the honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.